It's the Lowdown on Sports 1440. For Wolf GMC Buick, hurry in for amazing deals days until February 16th only. 0.99% financing plus a $10,000 cash discount on remaining stock Denali half tons. Visit WolfGMCBuick.com. Who was that artist? That was Vance Joy. Yeah, Vance Joy with Riptide. That's real Riptide. Yeah. So, uh, I think it came out maybe you know 2014 somewhere in that uh, okay. that time frame. My yeah. kids must have missed it cuz they keep me updated on all the cool it, stuff. It's very good. He's been at Folk Fest a couple times, I believe. It's really yeah. good. Oh. I love the voice. Oh, incredible. It reminds song. me of somebody. I can't remember whether it's Yes or there's a voice that that, that reminds me of. I can't remember who. Not I, to uh not to get too off topic here, but there are a couple songs I wish that I could just sing and play flawlessly. Mm. You know, Piano Man by Billy Joel is one of them. Sure. Of course, like if I could just hop on a piano and go, Hurricane by Bob Dylan, another. If you could play the Piano Man, would you start playing at 9 o'clock on a Saturday? Oh, of, of course. I have to stay true, to the, uh, true to the song. Yeah. And I would just find random pianos around the city and just Why start playing Why do you like Hurricane by Bob Dylan as opposed to... Like a Rolling Stone, or just like a woman, or something from Street Legal. I, I, well, for me, it's my favorite Dylan song, but I think the reason is there's just so much passion behind it. Mm. And I think if I could sing it with that same amount of passion and play the guitar that well, it would make for a good performance. Dylan is such a fascinating artist. He really is. My favorite Dylan song, God, I don't even know. It would probably be the Basement Tapes version of This Wheel's on Fire is so good. That might be it. Speaking of Weyburn, it's not out of the realm of possibility that Brett Jones makes a comeback with the Riders. Interesting, Ryan from Saskatchewan. There you go. I'm telling you now, the true skill players are the offensive linemen. That is all from Coach Vic. Well, I've, I've said for years, years, nobody pays any attention, of course, but I've said for years that you're seven Canadians, and if you could get eight, I remember the Riders when they won in 2013, I think they had ten on the field. That was just to show off. But because if you can get high quality there, your starters, seven starters, seven still, I don't remember, and seven backups, if you can get high quality there, the difference between most, like, imports isn't that great. If you've got a really good quarterback, and you've got seven great Canadians, and you've got an American scout who can, you know, worth his salt, you should be able to win a lot of games in the CFL. And a kicker. Who doesn't mind cold weather? Low Tide, you're my favorite show on the station. Why do you have the shortest time slot? Because I'm old. I get exhausted. When when uh, the show is over, they have a bed that they slide. It's like a gurney. And I just I just fold onto it. And then they put me in a back room and I sleep for several hours. They put me on an IV... And uh, that's why. I just I just couldn't do it. I think two hours is, three hours is actually probably perfect. Two hours, probably not enough. But three hours is perfect. I don't know how Gregor does it. Four hours every day. He's like Conan O'Brien. I remember, I don't remember the talk show. They won the award one year. And they got up on stage and they said, we do one one show a week for like two hours. Conan should win this every year. When you when you put out really high quality content every day, that's a thing, right? It has to count for something. So I appreciate mine being the favorite show of yours. Start at eleven. I don't want to. I don't want to. 
And besides, that's a kick-ass show they've got at 11. The 11 o'clock show might end up going till 1. What do you think of that? Hey, Deck, do you play any instruments? Well, he plays the whatever is coming out of his body trumpet. <laughs> you, you you would think I'd be good on the keys the way I'm smashing away at this keyboard, but unfortunately, no. I got a guitar once for my birthday. Um, you know, tried to play it for a little bit, but it's, it sat there for a few years, so maybe I'll get back into it one day. I, I, I Knowing your energy, I think you'd be a damn good drummer. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. I appreciate that. I think you bring a lot to the, you know, I think that... that Everybody who knows you would appreciate if you went out at 10 o'clock at night and hammered the drums for four hours, and then you came home and you'd be exhausted enough to... Were you a kid who stayed up late at night and had to be put back to bed 11 times? Uh, as a young kid, yes. Yeah. As a young kid, yeah. As I got older, I, I learned to really appreciate my sleep, and uh, that that time I was getting to recharge and everything. When you get to be my age, you just appreciate so much. I haven't had a good night's sleep in about four nights, and I... I I, if somebody said to me, "What would you like?" I would just, I don't, I don't want steak. I don't want you know whatever. I could just use a really good like eight hours of. That would be good for me. Low tide show is concentrated sports talk. Okay, sure. From concentrate, Boone Jenner's name has been bandied around a bit lately. He's got one of the best value contracts in the league. I wrote about that at the Athletic today. I just think that that. You know, people are like, well, don't make any trades. You, I think you have to because of the Leon Dreisaitl thing, of the, the dead cat bounce from the coaching change, the fact that everything's working well and they're healthy and they're deep enough, add another defenseman, get a right-handed center, you know, get Gensel if you can, get a backup goalie if you want, and it's got to be somebody like Talbot because uh, Calvin Pickard is playing well. So if you can do those things, then maybe you do. And once the summer comes, you can figure out the dry saddle contract. There's a new manager coming in. Managers inevitably want to make changes. They just do. But I look at the quality of the talent that's bubbling under, and I've looked at the, the Bakersfield Condors all through the half first half of the year, and I did the splits today on the blog where I'm looking for guys who I would go, I'm not going to trade that guy. I don't think Xavier Borgo is a guy I'm going to trade. I don't think there's, and there isn't anybody. You know the players that I think are going to make the National Hockey League and stay a long time? Max Warner and Jaden Groob. I don't know about the other guys. They're all skilled, but they're not spiking. All the second year guys, Savoy, Tulio, Borgo, they're not spiking. And Petrov, I like a lot, but he's also, you know, he's a rookie. You got to wait on him, but he's also not, he's doing a lot, but he's not scoring. So if somebody came along and wanted one of those cats, I'm sure the Otis would be willing to and properly surrender them in a trade for something. Like, you know, people are mad at the Otis for trading Mike Castlering a, a Castlering a year ago. He was spiking. None of these guys are. If you, if you look at, at the splits that the Condors have between the first 19 and the second 19 games, I like their young players. None of them is so valuable. Now, I'm taking Holloway and Broberg out of this. I think if you trade Broberg, you need to have somebody come back with term. I think if you trade Holloway, you need to have somebody come back with term. But beyond that, I like Raphael Lavoie. I, I like Xavier Borgo. He does a lot of good things. Really good passer. Great penalty killer. Fast on his feet. Does a lot of smart things. Blocks passages for paths and stuff. <laughs> 
almost didn't get that sentence out. But none of them are so valuable that you wouldn't surrender them in a trade for, like, first-round pick plus, you know, whatever. I think you would do that. Max Wanner and Jaden Groove might be the most valuable players in Bakersfield right now. Is that a coaching thing? I don't know. I think more than a coaching thing, it might be the young wingers are not getting enough time on the ice because there's too many of them. I, I think that it, it would behoove the Oilers to maybe move one of them either to the ECHL or trade one out for a draft pick. They just have too many guys trying to push at the same time, and that does happen. In the mid-90s, the Oilers had all of That's how Miro Chetan got traded. Now, nobody's playing like Miro Chetan down there. Nobody's scoring 25 goals in 24 games in the AHL right now for the Oilers. And Chetan was barely 20 when he did it. I have a question from Urban. He says, we're coming from Sweden to Edmonton in April. Is it best to buy tickets to Oilers games through Ticketmaster? Is that what you do, Declan? From time to time. I just buy through friends. Like oh, yeah? I, I, I go to a buddy who's got tickets, and I go, I, somebody that I know wants to go to this game. Right. I've got a friend of mine I'm going to take to a Bruins game, for instance. And so I have to wait 11 years for that, but that's the idea. Yeah. yeah. That's probably that's, that's a good way to do it, I think. Yeah. So I will text him back and say, Declan doesn't know. Good job, good effort. Agreed, Deck sounds like a drummer. Great way to burn off some steam. I'll have played 25 years. Wow. I'll point you in the right direction if you give it a go. That comes from Husks. People like you. You are a guy people like. Well, I really, really appreciate that. I hope so. Listen, you come with such a cult following that if I can just have like 10% of that fandom oh, appreciation. Oh, you make that up. I, no, I don't think no, I do. Like you I are, don't have. There's 11 guys who just are busy on typewriters like you. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what. If I can just get one of them to semi-appreciate me, I'll feel like I've done you a service. Oh. So I appreciate that. Well, you, uh, you make me look good. So that's, you know, I don't think people understand the dynamic of this show. Low Tide sits here and pontificates, and I don't notice things. Stuff falls down, and I don't pick it up. My shoe might slide off my foot and across the floor. You got to go get it, put it on again. You guys would be shocked at how many times I've tied low, low Tide shoelaces in the six <laughs> months we've been on air together. You'd think it's zero, but I'm telling you it's not. Yeah. Yeah, that's all true. It's all true. Check out Saturday Sun by Vance Joy. Well, I will. He's not wrong, Low Tide. I just sacrificed a goat in your name this morning. Delta Valley Jeff. Don't, I love goats. I had goats when I was a kid. They're sweet. They're not bright, but they're the sweetest animal. They just, they're, they are, their, their neurons are firing and it doesn't fire any sort of logical way. We had a, we had a nanny goat once who, Whenever we would go away, we would worry about her because she she'd always we'd come back and she'd be tangled up in we had a barbed wire fence and she would be tangled up in the barbed wire every damn time. And you can say, well, why didn't you low tide? Why didn't you coordinate? I was all barbed wire. So loved loved those goats. Did I tell you about the time this lady drove into our yard and she said to my dad, "You have goats." And she said, I want a baby goat for my son for a pet. And my dad said, goats aren't really pets for little little children. And she said, well, he wants one. I'll buy it. And she paid an exorbitant price. And I remember my mom saying, boy, Ira, you did good there. And my dad said, 
We're not spending that money. She's coming back. She came back the next day. And she said, all this goat does is knock my boy down and stand on his chest. And my son is crying. They're, they're very sweet, but like they're not like dogs. Dogs are, dogs have a way of understanding the situation with little kids and stuff. And, and goats are just goats. They want to jump on things and pop around and some of them faint. It's a lot like Declan. Really, the similarities are now that I think of it. Fainting goats and Declan are basically the same thing. How did we get on goats? I don't know. I was, you know what? I was thinking I should probably reply to that in some capacity, but I don't even know what I say to something like that. I'll, I'll, I'll take it as a compliment. You know, <laughs> Declan, young goat. I'll take it. Low tide. Are we getting your ideal roster later in the hour? Sorry if I missed it earlier. Uh, yeah, what I did was I said, I, I you know, it, it go all in. Get Cam Talbot to be the backup goaltender. Get Jake Evans to be the fourth-line center. Get Jake Gensel to be the second-line right winger. And get Carrier out of Nashville. Just blow it up. Like, just bring in four guys. Figure out the math. Do it. And then have enough in the farm that there's depth. If you have Carrier as your number seven defenseman, and you have, say, Broberg in the minor leagues, I don't know how you're doing all this. I'm just saying that's ideal. Get Cam Talbot out of L.A. Or if you prefer, get... A wah from L.A. Uh, Rachel Dory really likes him. So maybe you get him here. I'm not one who thinks that Cody Cece needs to be replaced. A lot of really smart math people do, and I'm sure they have their reasons. But I've, I always feel like whoever you're bringing in has to also be playing against elites because that's what Cece does every game. A lot. And that's a tough job. What an honor to tie low tide shoes. It really isn't. It's not. I think you're getting the wrong idea. It's not for the faint of heart. No, and it's also. I'm a pain in the ass. I might kick him in the chops because my reflexes are bad. It's how I've earned my stripes, or am earning my stripes. I'll say. Working with low tide is. You remember that Seinfeld episode where the 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 somebody I think it was Kramer decided he was going to go help this old guy with his records, and then the guy they ended up robbing him. Remember that? And George had that his his. uh, nurse was from some country, and she was rubbing head, uh, rubbing oil on his head. That's I'm the old guy. You're trying to rob me, or Jerry's dad. Where my wallet's gone, my wallet's gone. That's me. It's it's you're trying to. It's it, it, take your grandpa to the mall. That's that's the producer's job on the lowdown. It's I would just get up and go to the washroom, and you got to play a song. That's why Wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald is always ready and queued up, just in case Low Tide is, you know, does his sundowner act. Use fan first to buy orders tickets, way cheaper. Okay. I, I don't know. I, 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 I don't know. Um, I have people that I deal with. Um, Cam Talbot is TMAC Kryptonite. He's been the goalie for two of us. Look. McClellan overplays him. He overplayed him here. There's nothing wrong with Cam Talbot. Honestly, there's nothing. There's never been anything wrong with Cam Talbot. There was nothing wrong with Devin Dubnik. There's nothing wrong with Stuart Skinner. You know what's wrong? And I'm glad that Parcati's there now because he'll tell them. He'll say, man, you're overplaying this guy. So if you overplay him in October, November, December, January, February, March, he's not going to be the same player. I guarantee you Parcati will tell them that.
You're Elaine's boss with the socks, low tide. Black eyed Blake. There you go. I'm the, uh, you know what? I'd, I, I, w- I wish people thought I was the center, Serenity Now guy. Remember him? I loved him. What's your favorite all time TV show? A favorite all time comedy show? Curb Your Enthusiasm. Oh, or. Last season, right? Yeah, it is. This is the last season coming up here. Heartbreaking. Or Malcolm in the Middle. One of those two. <gasps> Malcolm in the Middle is very good. I, I love, love the mom. The mom oh. and Malcolm. Oh, my God. You know, she was nominated for an Emmy seven times and never won for that yeah, show. Yeah, they do that silly like. They did that I with the, the daytime soap opera woman. I can't remember. Do you ever get into daytime soap? Never. never oh, never. my God. I got in so bad one time. <laughs> uh, uh, Sven on Another World. I hated him. If he'd come to my house, I would have choked him to death like, and gone to prison. When I, would, when I would randomly turn the TV on at 2 p.m. if I was skipping school or something, it always looked pretty interesting. Thing, but I never got got to a place where I could actually follow it. Matt Corey was the dumbest man alive. Oh my God! He, Rachel had been kidnapped by Sven, Sven the bad guy, and there'd be sounds, and Matt would go. Ooh. I was so mad that I I had to get a job to save my sanity because I couldn't watch another world anymore. I that show was like some kind of drug to me. I. Uh, and it was all that Matt Corey. What the hell, man? Get it together. Oh, by the way, um, Scott Wheeler from The Athletic will join us tomorrow. We're going to talk about the 2024 draft. We're also going to talk about the Edmonton Oilers prospect group. So he'll be on the radio tomorrow. I didn't I didn't tell you that, did I? No, but okay. I'm, I'm glad I know now. Well, you know, I... <laughs> I work in wondrous ways, and so that it'll be it'll be twelve twenty tomorrow. Just so you know, Declan, do you like it when we do plan our show live on the radio? Is that good for you? It, well, it's great content, for sure. One which makes Come my on. job a heck of a lot easier. Right. Um, yeah, no, I think it's good. Okay. Jason Greger is on the way next. We're going to talk to him about Super Bowl coming up this weekend. The Oilers looking for 17 and then on and on and on and on. And then what he thought of All-Star Weekend. This is the Lowdown with Low Tide on Sports 1440. It's 121. This is the Lowdown for Wolf GMC Buick. Check them out at wolfgmcbuick.com. Well, it's time for our Monday uh, Beer Bongs and Bentleys feature with uh, Jason Greger just back from the Post Malone concert. How are you, buddy? Uh, no bongs, buddy. Uh, <laughs> uh, I'm not uh, Buble. I'm not making an ass of myself, uh, <laughs> pretending that illegal drugs are funny. So uh, anyway, he was uh, he was there and not there. Yeah, like I don't know. It's it's kind of sad. My own personal opinion that um, like in any other walk of life, if, if you're there and that's a lawyer, a teacher, anybody else, you're like. That's not cool, but it's, oh, oh, it's funny when it's a celebrity. I've never bought into that. I'm like, that's not a good look for him, and it's not really a good look. Like, the NHL didn't want that. They don't need that. Like, no. that shouldn't have been the focus at all. It wasn't the focus the whole event, but for the draft night, I really shouldn't have been the focus at all. It's like, dude, it's it's a draft of NHL players. Like, if you, know, if, if you need to go on, on mushrooms to do it, then, you know, maybe you got bigger issues. Um, what did you think of the All-Star weekend? Uh, well, to be honest, Al, I was in Arizona, and no. so I did. Uh, I watched Sunday night uh, with my son the uh, the skills uh, competition because mm-hmm. he was at the Oil Kings game with his team on Friday. So 
Um, so we made a deal he'd wait and we watched that and you know what? It was great. Skills competition was highly entertaining. I don't, I don't see how anybody could, could complain about it. Obviously I know Kucherov didn't look like he, he was loving it. Although I wonder because he didn't do very well in the first one after that. I said, you know what? I'm yeah. just going to play it up here as, as, as the, uh, as the heel in Toronto. It's a big rival. So, you know, maybe, I, you know, although I don't think that's a hundred percent it, but, um, you know what? Like you look at that, the breakaway drill on the goalie. Like they're going for a minute straight. Like the yeah. guys were tired. Like you could yeah. clearly tell. So it was, you know what? The game itself. I've never understood why people get mad about the All Star game. It's a, it's a meaningless game. It's supposed to be played at half speed, and you have a few passes. Great, but the skills competition itself, I thought, like that was a massive increase in entertainment value from anyone I remember. You, you do know that, like you say, the game isn't important. You know they're going to put a banner up at in Toronto that Team Matthews won. That'll go right up there. Well, they, uh, um, I noticed David Pasternak said they needed a few wins. So, uh, you know, some good little, he's got a good sense of humor, but yeah, I don't, I don't put much stock in the game. I think it's for the kids. The kids like it. That's what it's about. And, uh, the skills competition, you know, I thought they, they really elevated the, it was. you know, like the NBA's, you know, skills night has been something you'd want to watch. And, and I think the NHL one, this is the first time they did it. There's obviously some things they're going to look at slightly improving, but, I think it's a good foundation. Now, you won't see it for a few years because uh, next year, of course, you have the uh, um, you know, Canada-U.S., uh, Sweden-Finland game, so there won't be an all-star game. And then usually there isn't an all-star game during um, when, they, when they go to the Olympics. Now, in 2022, when they ultimately didn't go, they were planning to have an all-star game in Vegas and then go to Beijing. But mm-hmm. uh, in my conversation with Connor McDavid today, I don't, I don't really think the, the, the star players who are going over to – play in the Olympics are going to want to play in an all-star game. No, it's like you're preparing for that, and it's that's going to be the big – because for McDavid, one of the things that grinds my gears is that this is a player um, at his peak now, but he's he's had great opportunities to play in the Olympics that were not afforded him, mm-hmm. and that's a damn shame. I'm glad he's going. I can't wait for him, and I don't want him hurt at an all-star game. Yeah, no, I'd, I'd be surprised if there was one. There's never really been one before. Now, if, if you want an event for your sponsors and stuff – then you could have a young guns game. There's lots of young stars. Like, trust me, they could do the skills competition. You know, you could bring in a, you know, um, you know, a fun event where you could see the level of skill from your young players. Cause the majority of the players in the Olympics are going to be, you know, older proven veteran players. Yeah. Do you, um, obviously the lines Kane was back. Do you see the Skinner starts tomorrow? 17. This is the big one, right? Like if you win 17, you should be able to get to 18. In theory, no, because it's Anaheim, yeah, and oh yeah, definitely you're going with Skinner all day. And then I wonder, do you go like if you look at Knobloch, he hasn't just given Pickard the the easiest game when there's back to back games. He hasn't always done that. Yeah. So I could easily see him going with Skinner again on Friday and then Pickard on 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 Saturday potentially against L A. Now L A. You know what? You're going to have a new coach, so you know they're going to be fired up. I think tomorrow everybody knows what's on the line. You know, Leon Dreisel say every team knows it. Of course, Vegas will want to beat them. Mm-hmm. Right? No one wants the you know to be the team. Now it's a little different, but tying against a pretty good division rival. Oh yeah. Right now, Vegas. Yeah. Uh, you know, during this sixteen game run of the orders, Vegas is eight eight and one, but they're six three and one in their last ten. Like they've started to find their game a little bit. This will be this will be a good test for the orders. Uh, you're in Vegas. It's a great building to play in, but the crowd's going to be loud, and I, I think there'll be a little extra juice. Usually, sometimes Al, that first game out of the All Star break can be a little bit, and slash bye week too. Yes, can, can be a little sluggish. 
I don't think this one will be. And the orders did get two actual practices in beforehand, which is kind of rare. Do you see, Jason, um, because I think this is a great opportunity for the orders to see uh, Perry uh, play Pickard more, uh, see how this unit works. There's, there's still Holloway. There's still some guys who, who can solidify their spot on the roster before the deadline. This would be a good month to play these guys. See what you have before you make a move. Yeah, I don't know. Like the number one focus is make sure Stuart Skinner's ready and not overplayed. That's the now February. I looked at their schedule. Their February schedule isn't bad. It's March and April where it really gets condensed. And luckily, they're going to have to play a backup regardless because they got so many back to backs, right? So it almost can save them. Even if they wanted to play them, they couldn't. Well, I guess they could, but I'd be surprised if you're going to do that. So, you know, I look at what do they play? They play. They have the one back to back this week, and then they have a back to back at home. And both their back to backs really, there's no travel involved. They're not taking a flight in between games, right? Anaheim, L.A., and then both games at Edmonton on the twenty third and twenty fourth. Yeah. So, I, I think you know Pickard will play those two, and he'll probably play another one or two uh, this month. But it's not a February's not a crazy month for them. It, it definitely down the stretch March and April, mm-hmm. right? Like. April, they play, what, 10 games in 18 days, and five of them are against, you know, top five, seven teams in the league. So by then, that will be the interesting part to me of their schedule because will they have, you know, I, I think they're, they're separating themselves a little bit from LA, but we'll see what LA, how they react to the new coach. Right. But it's more so going to be how much of a dogfight is it for Vegas? And could they have reeled in Vancouver? Now, Vancouver has a nine game homestand out oh. coming up in, uh, in March, I think it is. But Vancouver also amongst the top teams in the West, they have the most games against the top ten teams in the league. So mm-hmm. in theory, a little bit harder of a schedule. Do you see um like when I look at the orders right now and I saw their lines, I think that that Corey Perry, because of the style that he has, I loved him with the two fast trains, like with with Holloway and, and McLeod. McLeod. D- d- that's to me a really good fit because Perry is gonna He's going to write some checks in front of the net that have to be cast by the other two guys, as you said last week. But he's also, he's the, his weakness, which is foot speed, is overcompensated by those two guys. They can transport the puck, they can carry the puck in, he can set up, and, and that fits. In theory, it fits. Do you like him anywhere else or with a different center, depending upon how things work down the stretch here, to have a look at least? Um, it's a good question. I don't see him as a top six guy you know, regularly. I, I think he might be able to moonlight here or there because he, he has the hockey sense to do it, right? And his game, like, Pat Maroon, for one year, was excellent with Connor McDavid. Their speed's not even remotely close. So could Perry play with McDavid if need be? Maybe. Right? Like, the order's been pretty healthy, Al, yeah. you know, overall. So are we going to see anybody with some nicks and all of a sudden they, they have somebody in their top six who's out for an extended period of time and, you know, then maybe Corey Perry gets a bump, but, you know, maybe Ryan McLeod. Like you saw yesterday in practice when yes. Kane was out, it was McLeod bumped up and Holloway was the, uh, the third line center. So, you know, that to me is interesting. So I, I think that's kind of the coach. He, he gives you the blueprint a little little bit here under Chris Knobloch. You don't really have to try to guess a lot in, in how he wants to run his lines and, and how he views people at this time. Perry probably is suited where he should be. I would think the caveat being, what if they acquire a fourth line center? Right, right. And do you think there's any possibility they go and get a Gensel? Well, what's the cost? Like... I don't know if, if Ken, at least based on his past history, Ken Holland doesn't just give away first rounders mm-hmm. for pure rentals. Yeah. Right. True. So I, Jake Gensel's a pending UFA. 
He's an American kid. What are the chances he signs in Edmonton? Probably low. Mm-hmm. So would you give up a first for three months? Well, maybe if, if you really think that's the difference. But if there's a right winger they feel they could get who has multi-years left on his deal, right. I think that would be more likely. Like you, you look, I think the Ekholm blueprint gives us a good sense of, of what, of how he views, you know, first rounders, right? Now, some would argue, Gregor, look at what he gave up for Andreas Athanasiu, right? Um, now keep in mind, Athanasiu opted not to, to, to sign the $2 million deal. Yeah. And so, you know, that plus COVID and it changed it a little bit. So, um, and I, as strange as it sounds, I think they were a little bit more desperate that year. They were. To, I just agree. to get in. Like, yeah. they got it in and make the playoffs. They'd do yeah. something. The Orders are a very good team right now. They're not desperate by any stretch. I think they're calculated. Yeah. And, and if there is a, a real good trade, then, then he can be patient and wait to see it because there's still lots of teams today on February 5th that we don't think are sellers, but come March 5th could be sellers. Do you think, Jason, this is sort of a summer question, but do you think the next general manager of the Oilers has to be like on site in Edmonton? That's, you know, Jackson is in Toronto. Uh, and, and oh, without be, question. Yeah. I'm sorry. You, you, you can't be the GM the of the team and not right. be residing here. I, I don't believe Jeff Jackson will be the general manager. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't think that's the role he took on. I think he, he likes the role he is. I think he's going to have a say in who the next GM is. Um, you know, if indeed, like, you know, I still feel that Ken Holland's going to retire at the end of the season, right. at least from being the GM. He, he might sit in an advisory role, which I don't think would be the worst thing ever. He has lots of experience. And despite some people who have falsely projected that Ken Holland is doing nothing, Ken Holland is doing a lot. He, you know, he had a lot of say in Corey Perry. He's had a lot of say in a lot of the moves that they've made this season. He's not just sitting here, um, you know, riding into the sunset. Yeah. You, you don't think Ken Holland would love to, to bring a Stanley Cup in Edmonton. Oh, it'd be uh, a great uh, way like, to end it. Right? And, and the funny thing is, like, look at what he's done since he took the team over. Oh. Right? Like, people that try to claim that Ken Holland hasn't done much, I'm like, are you not paying attention to the to the moves he's made? There's The, the list of good moves is infinitely longer than the one of bad moves because every GM has a few bad... We all know yeah. the Cassian contract. It's totally fair. But I'm pretty sure the Zach Hyman contract negates it right well but, also if you if anybody who wants to know the progress that was made have a look at the roster he inherited yes and and he had to there were reasons why but they had to slow play progress with Haas and Shahan for a, a time until they could get cap situated right yeah and, and they lost he lost two of his top three defensemen now yeah. for reasons well outside of his like Adam Larson's father passed away in Edmonton on a sudden heart attack that's the reason Adam Larson didn't resign. His mother didn't want to come back to Edmonton. It was just emotionally too hard for her. Sure. And so Adam made a decision. You know what? I want my mom to be able to come and watch me play. Yeah. So that's why he made And who can hold that against him? And Nobody. then Oscar Clefbaum's career ended yeah. prematurely. So that's two of your top three defensemen out for nothing. Yeah. And, and really at exceptionally good contract totals. So yeah. you not only it's like it's not a nine million dollar defenseman yeah. you can go get two of them. You had the, I think they were both on four point one or something. Yeah. Really, four really four for Larson, four point one for right. Clapton. Four point one six. So it's uh Super Bowl weekend weekend coming up. Uh I I know I'd like I've read, you know this is gonna be an interesting uh Super Bowl. Um I, I just being an Eagles fan and watching a year ago, I think Mahomes is the is the difference maker here. Well, yeah, it's all he's done is won a lot, right? Um, It could be his third championship in five years, right? If he loses, it'll still be two and two and four trips to the Super Bowl. It's still pretty good. Yes. Um, You know what? It's funny. Like, 
the 49ers offense was awful in the first half last week, two weekends ago, yep. right? I, well, I guess last weekend. Um, this, you know what I mean, 10 days ago. But in the second half, they were kind of what we thought they were. Yeah. And so when I, I look at them, the Chiefs defense is probably the, the one that still doesn't get talked about enough because the Chiefs have Mahomes and they have Kelsey and they do everything. But the, the Chiefs offense against the Ravens went five consecutive series where they punted. And then they took a knee because it was the end of the game. Yeah. And their defense still kept the opposition to, to 10 points. So, you know, I'm fascinated by the McCaffrey, Kittle, Debo Samuel, Purdy matchup against this Chiefs defense, right? Yeah. And, you know, unfortunately, the Chiefs got some key injuries on their D-line that I wonder how much of an impact that plays in this game. Yeah. Um, I'm always interested in this week because you do get – some interesting interviews and some interesting coverage and some questions and the the, the both the Chiefs and the 49ers I think are pretty mature teams like in terms of you know I don't think they'll be overwhelmed by the moment mm-hmm. it won't be like the Falcons for instance uh but I I all I want is a close football game we always seem to get them in a great cup but sometimes we don't get them in the Super Bowl do you see this being reasonably close I would think so, just based on last week. Both the, the conference games were close. Yeah. And like, I'd be surprised if either team blew out the other one. I guess that's what I'm like. I, I, my question is, are we going to see some offense on either one? Like, you know, the Chiefs and Ravens, you had 27 total points. Yeah. Now, obviously, the 49ers, there was lots more offense in that game. It was entertaining. So I, I'd like, like the Chiefs offense, I think, if you have to play a low-scoring game, they can grind it out. And then if, if you got to kind of get into a shootout, they're pretty confident they can do that. So... I like the I, I like the matchup. I'm, I'm very intrigued by it. I still like I haven't looked at the line this week, but like I think last week it was almost a pick 'em, like yeah. minus one. So that's kind of how I see it. I, I don't see any clear favorite, and I, I could see someone arguing why they think the 49ers are going to win, and then someone arguing why the Chiefs are going to win, and I'd be probably nodding my head in both times. <laughs> What's coming up on the show? Well, uh, Tr is going to join us uh, after his uh, his festivities at the uh, All Star Weekend, so uh, we'll touch on that. Uh, some big news, unfortunately, another injury to uh, Alfonso Davies. What does that mean for Canada coming up? So we'll talk to Andy Petrolo about that. Uh, we're going to talk about Gensel yeah. and uh, the Penguins. Uh, we'll go to Pittsburgh today. Kevin Woodley, we got uh, some more uh, goaltending. We'll look at uh, Aiden Hill. Are there any weaknesses? Any areas to exploit in uh, Aiden Hill's game? We'll find out from uh, Woodley on that. And uh, obviously, we'll uh, we'll talk about the orders, have a little bit of fun with the you know they're chasing an NHL record. Yeah, right. And, and I know, but wow, who cares? If they, it only matters if they win the cup. Actually, that's totally false. No. This is completely separate. Two thing, two things can happen. You can't win the cup tomorrow. No, they can win eighteen in a row and won't win the cup. But if they lose tomorrow and don't win eighteen, they can still lose the cup. Yeah. So it, it, there's no it, connection to that. So no, we'll and have, it's, have it's, a little fun with it. It's also, I think, a, a reflection of their. Their improved quality and depth, and Ken Holland does get credit for that. I think they're oh, they're a better team than not? they were. Yeah. Right? Like look at look at their depth players. No, they're good. They're good. They're good. To, they could win the Stanley Cup, Jason. Oh, I, I don't think anybody can say right now. Like the West is hard. Yeah, there's lots of good teams, but Edmonton is near the top of those good teams. Yeah, right. They're, they're like, right now today, Vancouver, Vegas, Colorado. Like I would take Edmonton over Colorado. Like. Right now, McKinnon and Rantan are doing what McDavid and Drysaddle did for a few years. They carried them because no one else is really producing there other than Nichushka. Now, I, I'm not talking about Kale McCarr. I'm talking about their other forward group. Right. Right. Like, yeah. uh, I know they get Zach Parise tonight, so that's a little interesting to see yeah. what, what he has left at, at his age at, uh, after a 21 goal season. But yeah, the orders are good, Al. And yeah. 
I still think they can make a, a – I, I firmly believe they're going to add at least one veteran defense. I'm just as a depth guy. It might right. not seem like a big acquisition at the time because you probably don't need it. It's like in case of emergency, break glass, and that's no. probably what that defenseman will be for this team. I don't see any reason to split up their D pairs. But um, now, of course, if you can find it's a clear, obvious upgrade on CCI, I'll listen to the argument. But you got to give me a clear upgrade. Yeah, and I, I, I've looked at it. I don't see one. We'll see. Thank you, Jason. Thanks, Al. All right, that's Jason Greger. He's coming up at 2 o'clock today. On the way, it's Mama MMA with our friend Declan, who will put down his typewriter, hopefully not do any funky noises, and just give us the goods on MMA over the last week and looking forward to this week. Lowdown with Low Tide on Sports 1440. It's the Lowdown on Sports 1440. Brought to you by Wolf GMC Buick. Check them out, wolfgmcbuick.com. I have to say that one of my highlights of the week is listening to that song. And it tells me that I can kick back, relax, open up a whatever drink I want to, because it's the floor belongs to Declan. The spotlight comes out, and it's like you're part of the Charlie Brown Christmas. It's, it's your turn. Well, that's my cue, I guess. I guess I better get going. No. Yes, another another week in the uh, mixed martial arts world has come and gone. Now, the thing with the mixed martial arts world right now in the UFC specifically, I'll get to a, another event in a second, but with the UFC specifically, there's some big events coming down the pipeline. We have UFC 298, UFC 299, and UFC 300 all happening within the next three months. Loaded, car, loaded fight cards, uh, incredible fights top to bottom. So some of the fight nights that are being used to fill the time are a little inconsequential, I'll say, in the grand scheme of things. This past event... This past event was a guy, was a fight between two guys, Nasruddin and Imovov. Roman Delizze were headlining it. Roman Delizze was the eighth ranked middleweight in the world coming in. Nasruddin Imovov was 11th and had some fanfare, fell off a little bit after a, a loss to Sean Strickland, who, who, former champion. Roman Delizze is a guy who got his ranking based on a short notice fight against a guy by the name of Jack Hermanson, who, by my accounts, is the most overranked fighter in the UFC today. I don't think he's a very good fighter. I don't think he deserves to be where he is. Roman Delizze got his ranking on the back of that win. He speaks highly of you. Uh, you know what? If Jack Hermanson knew me, I'm sure he wouldn't. Because another thing about Jack Hermanson is not only is he not very good, in my estimation, not very exciting, and he's not very likable from everything I've seen. So it's, so, a, it's a bad mix of all three. On the Mrs. Andrews scale, is he a 10? No, he's probably like a 6.5. Okay. Right. It could be a lot worse, but I think it could be a lot better. And his fight style could certainly be more conducive to fan entertainment. One okay. thing he does is he gets hit. He really doesn't like to get hit. And you might be thinking, Declan, no one likes to get punched in the face. Correct, but there's a difference between being a professional fighter, getting hit, and completely shelling up and getting away from your game plan, and eating the punch, returning fire, etc., etc. So anyway, Roman Delize was fighting this past weekend. He was a guy who I was curious about because he did have this this win against Jack Hermanson. He had a close fight with a top five middleweight in the world, a guy by the name of Marvin Vittori. Some people thought he won the fight. I wasn't sure where he really stood in the middleweight rankings. He went out and fought this guy named Nasruddin Imovov, who had lost a little bit of fanfare, and lost the fight in a pretty convincing fashion. I mean, it was a wild decision, I think, for the most part. 
point deduction as well for Imovov. Uh, but it was a fight that I just thought he controlled most of the fight. He, he had his way in the clinch. He looked better on the feet, things like that. And it leaves me scratching my head a little bit as to where these two truly stand. Are these two guys who are on the back of that top 15 ranking? Is Nasruddin Imovov a guy who we've seen as Sean Strickland that loss may age very well? Is he a guy who can now shoot up the rankings? I'm not sure. I'm not sure it provided the clarity I wanted it to, but I do think it answered some questions about Roman Delizze and where he stands in the middleweight rankings. Interesting. Yeah, no, it was it was a fun one. I mean, listen, there were some good fights on the card. Randy Brown is a welterweight. He he had a first round knockout over a guy named Muslim Salikov. Randy Brown is a guy who sits right there on the edge of the top fifteen. He's not a top fifteen talent. He's not a top 15 fighter talent-wise. I'm not sure he's ever going to really truly crack those rankings and make a run at the world title or everything, but he's a guy who brings it. He's a fun fighter. He's exciting to watch. He you know, he, he brings it every round he's in. He's a guy people like to watch. He's a guy people like to root for when they think of mixed martial arts. Uh, he had another good performance, and it'll be interesting to see what's next for him. Do you do you um is it is there a time of year where the good fights go and then there are lull periods? Because it seemed like two weeks ago or last week, I can't remember which, I guess it was two weeks ago. You weren't like enamored too much with what you'd seen. You seem more engaged today about what's going on. Um I seem more engaged, eh? Well, you seem more excited about what you're talking about, more there was less clutter. Maybe it was that they were they were supposed to be good fights and they weren't a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, I would say I would say that's probably fair. To answer your question, I wouldn't say there's a specific time of year where there's a lull period, not off the top of my head, but there certainly are lulls. For example, International Fight Week is a huge fight the UFC does. They they place that one Independence Day weekend or around there, beginning of July. Leading up to that and surrounding that, you may see some some lesser lesser palatable fight cards because so much talent is is um What's the word I'm looking for? It's tunneled to right. this one card. Yeah. End of the year card is generally pretty big. UFC 300, like I mentioned, is coming up on April. That card is going to be stacked top to bottom with stars. It already is. UFC 299 is an incredibly stacked card as well. So when you have all these top-tier fighters, all these ranked fighters, these champions, former champions, whatever it may be, fighting on a few cards, you know, obviously you have to pick from a lesser talent pool to fill the fight nights that you're contractually obligated to put on with ESPN, things like that. So it does see a little bit of a dip in product, but as far as a specific time of year, I wouldn't say so, no. Okay. Um, are you like, are you, are, are you at a point now where you don't watch boxing or are you still a boxing fan? I, I certainly watch boxing. This is how I'll always describe it to people. I will always take a big boxing event over a big mixed martial arts event. I don't think there's anything like the atmosphere of a big boxing match. You know, when Tyson Fury is fighting in front of 90,000 at Wembley, when Errol Spence and Terrence Crawford, two of the top three, four pound for pound fighters fought this past summer. I don't think there's anything that can match that atmosphere. But if it is a so-so boxing event or a so-so mixed martial arts event, I'm watching the mixed martial arts event every time. I just think personally it's a funner viewing experience when it's that toned-down level of talent. But the the high end, the top end of talent, like I said, nothing like the atmosphere, nothing like the art of boxing you're seeing at that top, top level. So I do love boxing. I do love those big events, but... 
and you don't want you don't like the fighters who won't risk it all. Clearly, you want them to go out there and have damage done to them no, every time. That's that's not it at all. Because I am one hundred percent the camp, and I'm glad you brought this up. I'm one hundred percent in the camp that this is uh, a tactical sport. That this is a sport with a skill set, and this is a sport with strategy. I don't need to see two guys go out there and just bleed. But what I revert back to is when you look at maybe this lesser talent pool, the skills aren't quite as sharpened. They're not quite as structured. It's not the quality of product you may like to see. And in that case, when you have that in boxing and mixed martial arts, I find those mixed martial arts events sometimes can be a little bit more unpredictable. And I think that makes for a great show, a great fight, a great storyline. If you had to rate all sports, yes. like let's say there's a really good MMA card, a really good boxing card, a really good basketball, um, college football, wow. um, hockey night, swimming event. Oh, my goodness. This is a Sophie's choice, isn't it? A little bit. So what would you like if you it like the ultimate like I feel like my answer your answer will be the college football uh the week that they play you know into into New Year's and figure out right, the, the the New Year's Six Bowl games right, things yeah, like yeah, that yeah. yeah but I want your answer I think okay so this is all in this scenario this is all happening same time Saturday night yeah you could only watch one if it okay, I'll say this: if it is a boxing match that is on the magnitude of an Errol Spence, Terence Crawford, or a you know Nao Inoue, Tank Davis, that's I know that's a wide gap in weight class. I'm just using them as an example for name value. I will pick that boxing match. Interesting. Yes, but if there's anything less than that, mm-hmm. and it is just a it's just a really good boxing fight, but it's like a transcendent event for the other sports. I would probably have to pick the college football game. Okay. Yeah. So the next question is, if your girlfriend yes. said, you know, I know this is a big weekend for you, but I'm hoping that we could go have a cup of coffee Yes. with my friend uh, Svendlin, who's here from <laughs> Sweden. She does have a friend, Svendlin, from okay. Sweden. That's, there you have go. you been talking to her? No. Okay. <laughs> and so how do you get around that or do you go? I'm just very, very, very upfront with it. Okay. Like, I'm very honest with, with telling people, like, this is watching sports and watching these sports that mean a lot to me are my favorite thing to do in the world. Right. I fully intend to watch this and enjoy it and do it guilt free. So you get out in front of it. I get out in front yeah. of it. Okay. And here's the other thing I'll say I would love to reschedule coffee. I'm happy to go any other time than this time, that when the game is on, when the fight is on, whatever it may be. But I'm, like you said, I get out in front of it. I'm upfront about it. I'm like, this is what I want to do. This is how I enjoy my time. This is what I want to do with my free time. And I don't feel guilty about that. Well, see, I don't. Think there's anything wrong with that yeah. as long as everybody goes knows going in and that you give up your time else to, in other times well like in my in my world uh with my wife and i i i watched a lot of hockey and i cut back on baseball and i cut back on football because it's important that you spend time with the people that you love and i think i've said this on the radio and if i haven't i've said it to you this is why i think i would be a terrible husband because I like I fully intend to watch football for eight hours every Saturday and Sunday from September through January for the rest of my life and not feel bad about it. And I'm not sure how that's you know like that's not a, a, exactly a quality you want in a life partner. But that those are 100 percent my intentions. But if you if you spent February through September um, devoting all of your time to that person, 
Yes. I, I mean, I think there's ways yes. around things, right? I think you're right. It's a healthy balance. You've got to find the balance. Well, I agree. And, and what I always said was, well, it's for my job. You know, that's the excuse. I, oh, my goodness. What a blessing this job was because I finally had a built in excuse. <laughs> I also think that people who love you are, are willing to make accommodations, too. So it all works out. Having watched NFL films, uh, previous Super Bowls, great productions on the weekend. It struck me that Nick Falls and Eli Manning should be uh, both have statues built in their honor for beating Tom Brady and the Patriots. Look, I, I have no qualms about saying it. I never cheer for the Giants. Unless they're playing uh, against Dallas in the NFC Championship game or the Patriots in the Super Bowl. But I cheered both times for Eli. And I was wildly cheering for Nick Foles. That was one of the most unexpected, beautiful moments in my time as a fan. I was so happy and I did not celebrate because they damn near threw a touchdown on the last play of the game. Oh, my gentle Lord. I was just beside myself on that play. Oh. I get, uh, hey, Declan and Todd, I get to the same thing, getting out in front of when it comes to sports and dating. My current girlfriend asked two years ago if we could go out for a second date. It was opening night of NHL playoffs. I told her I had a commitment to watch the Maple Leafs play the Lightning and then the Oilers play the Kings. If she wanted to come watch them with me, she could, but I definitely didn't expect her to. She bit the bullet and came over for six hours of hockey. She wasn't really interested in, still with her to this day. Trailer Park. See, that's what I'm saying is that, you know, straight up, that's the way to do it. Okay. I don't know whether we've got some kind of new action here, a new a new uh, Declan feature where he gives love advice. Maybe that'll be it. You know, no one wants that. <laughs> My advice is watch sports for sixteen hours every weekend for the rest of your life. That's it's not good. that's not conducive to a relationship. Heart to heart with Declan. Okay, Rachel, uh, thank, thank you, Rachel Dory, Jason Greger. Thank you to Declan. Enjoy your day. We're back tomorrow with Daniel Nugent Bowman. Jason's Nick. Time for an update.